Howdy folks and welcome to the Mike Dominic Show. Today is the 25th of May. If you are in the United States, happy Memorial Day. Um, if you're not, that's okay. Memorial Day is just a federal holiday here, so we're going to do a little bonus episode. Now, this is not going to be the normal format. Um, this is actually going to be a mailbag. So going through some of the feedback on the various channels and uh, answering those questions on the air rather than, you know, what I've been doing, which is like DMing back and ugh, all that kind of stuff. Quick note, um, we do have on the show page at automator.show a, the ability to now comment directly there via the uh, Discuss plugin, which if you don't know what that is, it ties into like Twitter and other social profiles, so you like automatically have an account. Um, that's new as of, I think, the beginning of May, and I know I haven't particularly pointed it out before. Most, if not all of this feedback... I, I think actually one is from a comment on a show. Most of this stuff is stuff I've been getting either via the contact form or the vast majority has been Twitter. But I'm going to do these mailbags maybe like once every two months or once a quarter. So if you, it's much easier for me and much more likely to get your question on the air if you actually go ahead and just like comment on the show itself, right? Because I'm actually collecting those for like every month or two. Um, and putting them, whereas like a Twitter message, you know, if I don't make a specific note of it, can easily disappear into the void. Um, other things to note, the show is, all, as always, brought to you by my consulting company, The Mad Botter. Um, we do have some Python bandwidth, so if you need Python development done, you should reach out to us. But we have a very special, uh, I could say sponsor of a sort today. Um, it would be uh, Lara Dominic, my wife, has written a book. And she's actually watching our son, so I can do this now. Um, I am recording, obviously, on a holiday. And the little one, uh, you know, fully expects Daddy to play with him, right? Uh, the book's name is Oil and Water. It is a, a novel um, about vampires. It is a new adult novel, just to put that out there. Not adult isn't like, ooh, la-la, adult. But it's kind of like a supernatural fantasy vampire novel. You can check it out on Amazon. Uh, at To date, the Kindle version is out. There will be a print version. Uh, check it out. If you're into that kind of thing, uh, I thought it was pretty good. If you know someone who's into it, please share it. Appreciate that a lot. And uh, yeah, so Oil and Water, you can check that out in the show notes. Um, so write to your questions, then. Let's make this easy. See, there's no cut to an interview here because there's no interview. In fact, there's not even any intro music this time because just doing it raw, doing it myself, no editor support. One take, just like, uh, I don't even know, Ed Sullivan, I guess. And if you're too young to get that reference, so am I. All right, so the, I would say, <laughs> let's start with a hardball question. Boot camps, question mark. So about eight different people wrote me uh, various forms of, OMG, my hair's on fire, I just signed up, or I just paid a bunch of money to sign up for a boot camp, and I heard your episode um, you know, earlier in April uh, about, you know, you seemed critical of boot camps. What's the deal that I just waste a bunch of money? Okay, first off, relax. Um, boot camps are one avenue to get into software development. They are not the only. They are probably not the ideal. And you're talking to someone whose degree is in medieval literature. So I did go an alternative path. That was a long time ago. And I have to say, it is somewhat possible, as disappointing as this could be to say, that things have things have gotten a little more complicated than they were back in the day, right? Um, you are, in fact, going to be at a disadvantage to get hired versus someone with a CS degree. Um, and that's even, 
it's even more, I would say, prevalent today than it was in, let's say, 2028, 20, 2010, for the simple reason there are so many people going through boot camps. We just had a Python developer role open at the Mad Botter. Um, and, you know, every, every couple of months when we hire, or even like if we just hire, you know, particularly for like front end, but in this case it was even Python, which I found shocking, we were overwhelmed by the number of resumes. And the vast majority of them were um, boot camp educated. That's not necessarily a disqualifier. We do interview people with boot camps, but I, I have to, you know, I'm just going to give my experience here. And again, it's not meant to discourage. It's not meant to be, you know, like dunking on people. It's nothing like that. Again, I do not have the CS degree myself. We've hired people at various times over the years from boot camps. Now, some of them have worked out fabulously. Um, I would say that would be one has worked out fabulously. The rest have been not, not I, don't, I don't believe to their fault, but have been uh, n not exactly what we were expecting. And my specific criticism of the boot camps is actually their orientation towards group work. Yes, it's true. In the real world, you will work with a lot of developers, and that's a good thing to know. But I firmly believe that you have to know the fundamentals yourself and be able to ship, let's say, a basic, you know, Rails app that consumes some REST API or provides some REST API either way and, like, not have worked on it with several other people. I'm thinking particularly of a few cases where we've hired people and they seemed really good. You know, they sent us their GitHub profile. And this is years ago, right when boot camps were kind of new and I didn't... I won't say I wasn't jaded enough about them, but I would say I was a little naive for sure. Um, I assumed that the things in, this, in these individuals' GitHub profiles was stuff that they had worked on themselves. And it turns out that, no, if you actually go through the boot camp, everybody has the exact same project with, uh, let's, you know, there's, there's definitely an air of copy pasta going on over there. Having said that, if you are in a boot camp, I'm not suggesting you drop out. What I am suggesting you do is augment that GitHub profile with stuff you are doing yourself in the area you want to work in that is not wildly similar to what your boot camp courses, is, uh, courses are. See, my New Jersey uh, dialect came out there, right? It's, it's important, right? Because, you know, you may say, hey, I'm taking a shot. But from the employer's perspective, hiring is hard. Firing is hard. Um, nobody, particularly small companies where things are kind of a little more... Um, you know, intimate, a little more personal. Nobody enjoys hiring someone and finding out a month, a month and a half, two months later that, you know, they, 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 they're not going to be able to perform to the level needed. Um, so it's really good. I mean, if you are, you know, I like to do code katas. Um, I, I have fallen off the wagon a little bit with that, which I have to get back on. Um, if you don't know what a code kata is, kata is a term for martial arts. It's basically intentional practice. Code katas are exactly that then, right? They're intentional practice for coding. There are a bunch of websites that do that. Some of them have like Marvel-themed coding games. Um, I think Disney now has something like that called Code Illusion for, for young folks, for kids. Um, my son is too young to do that yet. He's four, though I do have him doing a little iPad thing where he can program a little robot toy. Um, but my point is, if you are going the boot camp route, I'm assuming you're serious because obviously the boot camp route is to get a job, right? I would urge you to do projects that are your own. And I know that's like hard because you're probably working another job and 
you know, when I was starting out without the CS degree, that's a, that's just how I had to do it. I had to write a bunch of iOS apps way back in the day, and even then I did Java before, and I had to write a bunch of little Java apps um, or applets, but I don't like to talk about applets because, uh, yeah, things things that are bad. And basically, you know, the proof had to be in the pudding, and you had to be able to show code um, to get over that hurdle. I, some of you did write about specific boot camps. I don't feel that it's appropriate for me to comment on individual boot camps. One, I don't remember all of the ones I've had experiences with interviewing people from. Two, you know, in any class of any size, you're going to have better performing people and underperforming people. So I don't know. Obviously, there have been some prominent newspaper stories about some prominent boot camps that are concerning. And if you are considering those boot camps, I think you should be, you know, like any other large purchase, right? If you're going to the dealership to buy a used car or a new car or whatever, you need to understand that the person you're talking to is a salesman, not um, not necessarily someone who who doesn't have incentives. We'll put it that way, right? So just just be careful with anything else, right? You know, you're going to a real estate agent to talk about buying a house. That that lady's mission in life is now to sell you a house. So just, you know, keep it in mind. People have incentives. Sometimes they're incentives, and your needs may not necessarily be 100% in line. Um, I would also recommend augmenting with something like Linux Academy. Uh, I guess disclosure, Coda Radio for a while was owned by Linux Academy. Code Radio was my previous podcast. Um, or I should say Code Radio bought the company that... No, I'm sorry. Linux Academy bought the company that Code Radio was on. You know, it's all very complicated, but basically there was a financial relationship there at one point. Um, I used to love TechPub, which is Rob Conry's, uh, you know, his from a few years ago teaching platform. That has been bought by Pluralsight. I do not have a lot of experience with Pluralsight. That is, let's say, recent. Um, I'm sure the content's still great. I just haven't, um, you know, the last one of those services I had is Linux Academy. In fact, I still think I have my annual plan is still good with Linux Academy. So I, you know, take a look. Uh, there's lots of services like that. The content is good. Um, again, another one that is now purchased by Pluralsight that I really liked was Code School because it had interactive coding for you. But again, they were purchased by Pluralsight, so I have no idea how, in what form that is now. Uh, so check it out. Okay, so this one's a little too big for me to go into detail, but a lot of people reached out about the build conference that just happened. Um, and I'm just going to really quick give my takeaways. Yeah, the WSL2 thing, native kernel, um, better support, GUI apps, na uh, native GPU acceleration. That's a huge deal. That um, That's something that I think should concern desktop Linux evangelists and more importantly, uh, you know, pros using Macs for particularly like ML, you know, AI type development. I hate the word AI now, but, you know, machine learning type stuff. I, I'm, I'm going to table that for one second because I think it comes to another question that came in. But I'm deeply impressed with... Uh, with the WSL, and I have, uh, I ironically do not have a Windows machine right now because I had to give it to an employee. I am in the market for one, so if you can recommend a good touch Windows laptop for me, preferably one one that does that weird flippy 360 thing, because uh, I have to test some some Chaos software for, uh, you know, it's Windows 
based kiosk software that we wrote. I will probably take the WSL2 challenge again. I, years ago, I took the WSL1 challenge. It was pretty good, um, but a little slow. WSL2 is promising native performance, right? Because it's a it's a actual Linux kernel. So that's that's curious. Thing I'm a little confused about is the whole front end framework shakeup. I feel like every couple of years Microsoft has to have some big front end framework announcement. You know, remember the days of Metro, and then they like could have just paid a German grocery store to use that name, but didn't. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. Uh, so yeah, Maui, like UWP and all kinds of other stuff are coming together into something called Maui. Sure, I mean, there's a lot of .NET options out there. And I guess, from my understanding, this is basically like bringing them all together. I guess that's good. It simplifies, you know, your options as a developer. I, you know, as I've been burned by these big platform shifts in Windows before, and I'm skeptical, partially because I personally don't see the need, and I certainly don't do a lot of native Windows development, unless it is something like a kiosk project um, or something like that, right? Where it's like somebody wants to, you know, we did something for a hotel a couple years back where it was just like a Windows tablet in a, in a, what do you call that? Like a like a kiosk, but like it was mounted to a wall and people could manage their room service or whatever with that. And for obvious reasons, particularly at the time, that was like a native, uh, at the time I think it was called, it was just UWP, I think. Which, yeah, cause they just moved from Metro to UWP. So it was like C-sharp UWP. But yeah, I mean, it certainly has its place. Um, that's great. I mean, as long as it's not something that, you know, like Metro they end up going back on, I'm pretty pretty okay with that. So the related question for the WSL, and only one person thought to ask this, because uh, I guess they were digging through DominicM.com and looking at my old blog archives. And I had written a post, a series of posts, one about the quote-unquote Mac exodus. Now we're going back a few years when people were basically enraged by the broken Mac Pro keyboards. Then I'd written another post when they released the... Uh, I think it was the iMac Pro or announced the Mac Pro or something called Mac Exodus over and I put like a question mark. I know, very clickbaity, very cheeky of me, but uh, yeah. I So the person was asking, because I had mentioned I'm, I use an iMac Pro as well as my Linux machines, was I leaning more towards Mac? Um, the answer is it depends. I mean, I do prefer Linux as an environment. There are certain things that are just easier on an iMac, particularly an iMac Pro, but I'll, of course, like any built-in iMac, is going to be like the impromptu Zoom call, right, where it's just built into the thing and this microphone is good enough. Now, having said that, I do not record these shows on an in built-in microphone, so there's still like the hooking up of the mic and everything. Um, obviously, anything touching mobile dev um, has to be on Mac. I, I know there's lots of caveats that so you could get away without it, yes, and I actually have a workflow to do it on a uh, Pop OS, which is a Linux distro for uh, Ionic development, which I hope to write up in the coming weeks. But, you know, the minute you need to touch Swift or um, I still have some legacy stuff in Objective-C, you, you really need Xcode and you need Mac. And yes, like you could virtualize a server, or like, you know, hit a remote Mac mini, but that's just not worth it, right? Like if you're going to work in Xcode, you're going to want Mac OS. Uh, but to the, to the Mac Exodus over thing, it was 
kind of like, is this a danger to desktop Linux that the Apple computers are getting good again? And I now have a completely different feeling. I think, you know, Windows is going to start regaining share among developers. Um, there is like literally no reason I can't do my work on Windows other than the, the like, I need Xcode every once in a while problem. And I, I just have this feeling that it's not going to be, you know, Mac and Linux taking share from Windows among the dev community. I think both desktop Linux in the form of things like Pop and the new Ubuntu and Windows 10 are going to start taking share from Mac. Um, it might not happen immediately because, like, for instance, this iMac Pro sitting in front of me was a $5,000 investment. So, you know, I'm unless I sell it, I'm incentivized to not replace it with another desktop for a while. But I, I think it's going to become interesting as the Apple tax, quote-unquote, doesn't go away and Windows becomes far more viable. And for those developers who like to, let's say, do gaming or just like want to run a wide variety of software, well, I know this from my own experience. I, I should mention my other desktops of Thalio, a System76 Thalio. That is like I run a flight simulator for, for my well, Griffin product, and I run games on it via Lutris, which is, we can talk about that one day. It's basically, you can run Windows games on Linux. Um, there is just more software I can run on my Thaleo than I can run on my Mac. And a native Windows machine would run, you know, roughly the same amount of software or more than the Thaleo. So my point is, in terms of optionality for me, the thing keeping me on Mac is, is simply just like Xcode. Right, like, and I spend a lot of time on Linux. My laptop's a Galago, um, so I I sort of think in a weird way, uh, the the Mac market share for developers, and again, not all developers, right? Those of us who are who have to work in Xcode are still always going to be somewhat tied to Mac, but is going to be an opportunity for both Windows and Linux operating systems to to kind of eat that away, which. I don't know. I don't even know how I feel about that. This could become particularly acute if Apple does do an ARM transition that creates, you know, just tons of problems, right? Like I have applications that don't work because I'm on Catalina because like they never, they were old and never got updated to 32-bit and it's just wildly inconvenient. So yeah, I, Mac Exodus over, I thought it might be, but I think, you know, death is just the beginning as Emotep from the mummy would say, right? I think we're, it, there is a maybe political or taste challenge to Windows of do a lot of developers who've been working on like web application development feel that it's just not quote unquote cool to run Windows? I don't know. Um, I tend to think those opinions are kind of silly. You should run whatever's most practical for you. So, which is like, you know, when I get into distro conversations about Linux, which is why I run Pop because it makes installing a lot of my tool chains super easy, where, you know, other distros require a lot more work than I would like them to. It's, um, it's definitely a challenge. It's going to be a challenge for macOS. It's going to be a challenge overall for, for the market if Apple does go to ARM. I, I just don't... I know why that makes a lot of sense for a consumer, for like a knowledge worker, I, I don't see it being a net gain for developers. I see it being a loss. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm short-sighted. Maybe everything will be armed soon. 
I, I target lots of ARM devices, including I, you know, including like little boards and obviously mobile devices. But I just, I don't know that I want to give up my ability to run VMs on, um, you know, x86 or x64, or whatever. State of mobile development. I'm going to be quick on this. I do not do a lot of native mobile development anymore. Um, I don't find it a viable thing for us to sell at the Mad Botter. I understand why I got this question, and in fact, spoke directly to the person who who asked it, recommending that he go um, and look at a kind of a hybrid approach. I, I think mobile, and I've thought this for a while, kind of had its day in the sun. Not that there won't be good mobile apps, not that people won't make money doing mobile development, but for the line of business type software that I focus on for my company, it is, it, it's just a, it's a bear of a lift to try to sell native if they need two platforms. Um, it just is, right? So I, I tend to come on the, I'm pretty strongly in the PWAs of the future and things like Ionic are the present where, you know, you're using something like we use Angular wrapped in a shell with maybe native extensions, and that's great. Um, Xamarin is okay, too. I have lots of feelings about Xamarin that nobody cares to hear. I would love to have someone on the Xamarin team come on, so I'm not just beating them up. That was also another question. Would I ever consider having someone Microsoft on? Of course. I don't know why they would want to come on, because it's not a big show, and the .NET community has a huge ecosystem of their own shows, but I would be super, super happy to have that conversation um, by now, you should have downloaded the uh, conversation with, with Hayden, who's doing the WSL Evangelism at Canonical. So, you know, I, I don't, I, I hope I didn't give the impression that I have some sort of weird hatred of Microsoft. I do not. In fact, I'm relatively impressed with what they're doing. Um, would I switch over and be a Windows dev? Probably not, although I am currently working on a Windows project. So, I'm kind of, you know, I, I'm super pragmatic about this stuff. I don't, I don't, in fact, I, I think the tribalism about like Mac, Windows, Linux, Flatpak, Snap, you know, Ruby, Java, blah, 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 is all, it's probably the worst thing about the dev community as a whole. Like it, it doesn't matter. And if you're in the industry long enough, you're going to change, you're going to end up changing frameworks and languages and possibly platforms more than once. Um, case in point. When I was doing mobile dev, the big thing was Objective-C and C++. Now it's Swift, right? So that's, that is just, if you're around long enough, it happens. Um, my frequently used tools, uh, I think I've mentioned this before. I'm using a lot of Python right now. Python is kind of my primary language. Um, when I say I, I mean me personally, because there's multiple projects going on at, at TMB. Um, I do that in PyCharm Pro because I like JetBrains, and I think their tools are worth the money because they save me time. I know a lot of you don't want to pay for tools. There is a community edition of that, and if, if failing that, if you're not interested in that, Visual Studio Code is very good. There's lots of great Python plugins. Um, I do still do quite a bit of Ruby, but the last, I would say, three to four weeks, I have been living in Python land, partially because our automation product, Rabot, is releasing some pretty major Python support. In fact, the core of it of the engine there has actually been re, uh, rebuilt in Python from Ruby for reasons that I, I can discuss, but I'm not sure how much inside baseball you guys want to get on. Um, and this is not like a dunking on Ruby as a bad language. I love Ruby. It's we it, just architectural decisions that were made way back when that ended up making more sense to transition to Python 4. 
Uh, so if you want to hear more about that, let me know. But I, again, I don't. I, I feel that might be way too much inside baseball. Uh, so that is the long and short of it. If you have other questions, again, you know, add them to the show to the comments. Um, Twitter's still fine. My my concern with Twitter is it's just hard for me to keep up with, especially since I'm only intending to do this probably every other month. So, yeah, we'll be back to the interview format uh, later this week, which will probably come out the following week. Uh, this is kind of a bonus, so I think I think the Hayden Barnes show should already be out. So these might come out like on the same day or a day or two apart. And, yeah, let me know what you think. And uh, do check out Oil & Water uh, on Kindle by my wife because, hey, who doesn't like vampires? Also, if you do have a recommendation for a touch Windows laptop that does the weird 360... Also, if you know what that's actually called, uh, the bendy back thing that I'm talking about, and please let me know, because I guess I'm too used to just randomly buying from System76 on Apple. It's a damn jungle out there in the Windows world. If you're if you're like a Windows guy and like you're like a power user, can you explain to me how you make these decisions on what to buy? Because I, I don't know. Like I was looking at the Dell XPS 13, but then I realized it doesn't do the bendy back thing, which is now official show coinature we're coining it bendy back thing um somebody recommended last night the yoga Ooh, was that not ibm now right lenovo yoga x something uh but then somebody else replied and said it was crap um i know hp i think paul therat likes the specter and i usually tend to agree with him so yeah if just any anything you could do to help me i'm a little at sea on this one all right guys check me out at dumanuko and check out the show and check out oil and water thank you bye